welcome to another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is my curious little podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings, which I hope will help you to relax and fall asleep. This is episode number 181, and specifically, it's a story time episode featuring The Flying Trunk by Hans Christian Andersen. If you're a new listener, then welcome to my little world of whispers. Each week I rotate through one of six types of episodes to calm those overactive squirrels in your brain. These include Whisperpedia episodes, chat episodes, badge episodes, fade-out episodes, trivia time episodes, and tonight you'll hear a story time episode, which means I'll be reading little tale to you. In addition to this Whisper podcast, I've also created special one-hour and eight-hour long podcast episodes of nature sounds and background noises. And these are high-quality recordings that I I mostly recorded myself, and it's stuff like trickling streams, raindrops, thunderstorms, crickets at night, ceiling fans, white noise, and just stuff like that. So if you're interested in more whisper episodes like this one, or my nature sounds, or my background noises, then feel free to click the links in the show notes, or visit my website at sleepwhispers.com. Alright, tonight's story is titled, The Flying Drunk, and it's written by Hans Christian Andersen. I'll first give you a summary of the plot so that way you have a a foundation to the story. It's about a young man who squanders his inheritance and therefore he ends up basically just a, a poor man. He does have a storage trunk but he doesn't have much to put into it. So for some reason, he decides, I'll just climb inside my empty trunk. And as it turns out, the trunk is magical, and it carries him to the land of the Turks. He then uses the trunk to visit 
is it the Sultan's daughter? And of course she is kept in a tower. <laughs> I don't know why that always happens in these stories. But she's in that tower because of a prophecy that her marriage would be unhappy. He persuades her, though, to marry him. And he, he does it by basically telling a lie. And then he still has the challenge of convincing her parents to allow him to marry this cursed sultan's daughter. And he does win them over. And he does it by telling them a long story. And I mean, it's a long story. <laughs> it takes up about half of this story. So this story is a story within a story. It's, it's like those Russian dolls that fit inside each other. Except the one Russian doll inside the other Russian doll is the same size. And so they really don't fit together. Or here's another way to look at it. You know when you finish cooking a meal and you have leftovers and then you kind of guess on the right size container for those leftovers but you miscalculated and there are too many leftovers in the container. So when you put the lid on the leftovers, they start oozing down the sides. I don't know, I don't know if that's a good description for this either. Anyway, it just seems like Hans Christian Andersen, he had two short stories and for some reason, he just decided to cram one inside the other. <laughs> okay, wait. I think I have a better metaphor or analogy. I don't know what it is, but anyway. It's like you have two small turkeys to cook, but instead of cooking them separately, you decide to you decide to try to shove one turkey inside the other turkey, even though it doesn't really fit. All right, I'm I'm already starting to get silly. Uh, all right, here's my point. If you fall asleep near the beginning of the main story and then wake up later during the story that's stuck inside the middle of this story, you're going to be super confused. I think I'm putting too much of a, of a negative spin on this story in a story. The, the positive view is that tonight you're going to get two stories in one. Yeah, that's a, that's a much better way to, to present this. 
back to my summary of the story. So far we have a young man. He's got a magical trunk. He's convinced this princess to marry him. But something is going to happen to the trunk, which may have good or bad consequences on his wedding. I, I won't reveal the ending, and hopefully you'll fall asleep, and you'll never find out. Alright, now on to tonight's story. Tonight's story is The Flying Trunk by Hans Christian Andersen. There was once a merchant who was so rich that he could have paved the whole street with gold and would even then have had enough for a small alley. But he didn't do so. He knew the value of money better than to use it in this way. So clever was he that every shilling he put out brought him a crown. And so he continued until he passed away. His son inherited this great wealth, and his son lived a merry life with it. He went to a masquerade every night, made kites out of five-pound notes, and threw pieces of gold into the sea instead of stones. In this manner, he soon lost all of his money. At last, he had nothing left but a pair of slippers, an old dressing gown, and four shillings. And now all his friends deserted him. They could not walk with him in the streets. But one of his friends, who was very good-natured, sent him an old storage trunk with this message, Back up. Yes, he thought. It is all very well to say back up, but he had nothing left to back. Therefore, he climbed into his own trunk. It was a very wonderful trunk. No sooner did anyone press the lock than the trunk could fly. He shut the lid and pressed the lock. When away flew the trunk up the chimney with the merchant's son in it right up into the clouds. Whenever the bottom of the trunk creaked, he was in a great fright, for if the trunk fell to pieces, he would have made a tremendous somersault over the trees. However, he got safely in his trunk to the land of Turkey. He hid the trunk in the wood under some dry leaves and then went into town. He fit in very well, for the Turks always go about dressed in dressing gowns and slippers, as he was himself. He happened to meet a nurse with a little child. I say, you Turkish nurse, he said, what castle is that near the town with the windows? so high. The king's daughter lives there, 
she replied. It has been prophesied that she will be very unhappy about a lover, and therefore no one is allowed to visit her unless the king and queen are present. Thank you, said the merchant's son. So he went back to the wood, seated himself in his trunk, flew up to the roof of the castle, and crept through the window into the prince's room. She lay on the sofa asleep, and she was so beautiful that the merchant's son couldn't help kissing her. Then she awoke, and was very much frightened. He told her he was a Turkish angel, who had come down to the air to see her, which pleased her very much. He sat down by her side and talked to her. He said her eyes were like beautiful dark lakes, in which the thoughts swam about like little mermaids. And he told her that her forehead was a snowy mountain, which contained splendid halls full of pictures. And then he related to her about the stork who brings the beautiful children from the rivers. These were delightful stories, and when he asked the princess if she would marry him, she consented immediately. But you must come on Saturday, she said, for then the king and queen will take tea with me. They will be very proud when they find out that I'm going to marry a Turkish angel. But you must think of some very pretty stories to tell them, for my parents like to hear stories better than anything. My mother prefers stories that are deep and moral, and my father likes something funny to make him laugh. Very well, he replied. I shall bring you no other marriage portion than a story. And so they parted. But the princess gave him a sword, which was studded with gold coins, and these he could use. Then he flew away to the town and bought a new dressing gown, and afterwards returned to the woods, where he composed a story so as to be ready for Saturday, which was no easy matter. He finally did finish his story, and it was ready for Saturday, and so he went to see the princess. The king and queen and the whole court were at tea with the princess, and he was received with great politeness. Will you tell us a story, said the queen, one that is instructive and full of deep learning. Yes, but with something in it to laugh at, said the king. Certainly, he replied, and commenced at once, asking them to listen attentively. Once upon a time, there was a bundle of matches that were exceedingly proud of their high descent. 
a genealogical tree, that is, a large pine tree from which they had been cut, was at one time a large old tree in the woods. The matches now lay between a tinder box and an old iron saucepan, and were talking about their youthful days. Ah, then we grew up on the green branches, and we were as green as they. Every morning and evening we were fed with diamond drops of dew. Whenever the sun shone, we felt his warm rays, and the little birds would relate stories to us as they sung. We knew that we were rich, for the other trees only wore their green dress in summer, but our family were able to array themselves in green, summer and winter. But the woodcutter came like a great revolution and our family fell under the axe. The head of the house obtained a situation as mainstay in a very fine ship and can sail around the world when he will. The other branches of the family were taken to different places and our office now is to kindle a light for common people. This is how such high-born people as we came to be in a kitchen. And then the iron bot spoke up. Mine has been a very different fate. From my first entrance into the world, I've been used for cooking and scouring. I am the first in this house when anything solid or useful is required. My only pleasure is to be made clean and shining after dinner and to sit in my place and have a little sensible conversation with my neighbors. All of us, except the water bucket, who is sometimes taken into the courtyard, live here together within these four walls. We get our news from the market basket, but he sometimes tells us very unpleasant things about the people and the government. Yes, and one day an old bot was so alarmed that he fell down and was broken to pieces. And then the tinderbox spoke up. You are talking too much. And he struck his steel against the flint, making some sparks fly out and further crying out. We want a merry evening tonight, don't we? Yes, of course, said the matches. Let us talk about those who are the highest born. No, I don't like to be always talking about what we are, remarked the saucepan. Let us think of some other amusement. I will begin. We will tell something that has happened to ourselves. That will be very easy and interesting as well. On the Baltic Sea, near the Danish shore. What a pretty commencement, said the plates. We all shall like that story, I'm sure. Yes, well, in my youth, I lived in a quiet family where the furniture was polished, the floors scoured, 
and clean curtains put up every fortnight. What an interesting way you have of relating a story, said the carpet broom. There is something so pure that runs through what you say. That is quite true, said the water bucket, and he made a spring with joy and splashed some water on the floor. Then the saucepan went on with his story, and the end was as good as beginning. The plates rattled with pleasure, and the carpet broom brought some green parsley out of the dust hole and ground the saucepan, for he knew it would vex the others, and he thought, if I crown him today, he will crown me tomorrow. Let us have a dance said the fire tongs, and then how they danced and stuck up one leg in the air. The chair cushion in the corner burst with laughter when she saw it. Shall I be crowned now? asked the fire tongs. So the broom found another wreath for the tongs. They were only common people after all, thought the matches. The tea Ern was now asked to sing, but she said she had a cold and couldn't sing without boiling heat. They all thought this was affectation, and because she didn't wish to sing, excepting in the parlor, went on the table with the grand people. In the window sat an old quill pen with which the maid generally wrote. There was nothing remarkable about the pen, excepting that it had been dipped too deeply in the ink, but it was proud of that. If the tea urn won't sing, said the pen, she can leave it alone. There isn't a nightingale in a cage who can sing. She's not been taught much, certainly, but we need not say anything this evening about that. I think it highly improper, said the tea kettle, who was kitchen singer, and half-brother to the tea urn, that a rich foreign bird should be listened to here. Is it patriotic? Let the market basket decide what is right. I certainly am vexed, said the basket, inwardly vexed more than anyone can imagine. Are we spending this evening properly? Would it not be more sensible to put the house in order? If each were in his own place, I would lead a game. This would be quite another thing. Let us act a play, said they all. At the same moment the door opened and the maid came in. Then no one stirred. They all remained quite still. Yet at the same time, there was not a single pot amongst them who had not a high opinion of himself and what he could do if he chose to. Yes, if we had chosen, they each thought, we might have spent a very pleasant evening. The maid took the matches and lighted them. Oh, dear me, 
how they sputtered and blazed up. Now then, they thought, everyone will see that we are the first, how we shine, what a light we give. Even while they spoke, their light went out. And that was the end of the merchant's son story. Oh my, what a wonderful story, said the queen. I feel as if I were really in the kitchen, and I could see the matches. Yes, you can marry our daughter. Certainly, said the king. Thou hast my permission to marry our daughter. The king said thou to him, because he was going to be one of the family. The wedding day was fixed, and on the evening before, the whole city was illuminated. Cakes and sweetmeats were thrown among the people. The street boys stood on tiptoe and shouted, Hurrah! and whistled between their fingers. Altogether, it was a very splendid affair. I will give them another treat, said the merchant's son. So he went and bought rockets and crackers and all sorts of fireworks that could be thought of, packed them in his trunk, and flew up with it into the air. What a whizzing and popping they made as they went off. The Turks, when they saw such a sight in the air, jumped so high that their slippers flew about their ears. It was easy to believe after this that the princess was really going to marry a Turkish angel. As soon as the merchant's son had come down in his flying trunk to the woods after the fireworks, he thought, I'll go back into the town now and hear what they think of my entertainment. It was very natural that he should wish to know. And what strange things people did say to be sure. Everyone whom he questioned had a different tale to tell, though they all thought it was very beautiful. I saw the Turkish angel myself, said one. He had eyes like glittering stars and a head like foaming water. He flew in a mantle of fire, cried another, and lovely little cherubs peeped out from the folds. He heard many more fine things about himself, and that the next day he was to be married. After this, he went back to the forest to rest himself in his trunk. But it had disappeared. A spark from the fireworks which remained had set it on fire, and it was burnt to ashes. So the merchant's son couldn't fly anymore, nor go to meet his bride. She stood all day on the roof, waiting for him, and most likely she is waiting there still, while he wanders through the world, telling fairy tales, but none of them so amusing 
as the one told about the matches. This is the end of this storytime episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better.